Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The next superintendent needs to really embrace community policing. I mean, it has... You know, Los Angeles, you know, 15, 20 years ago, had similar problems that Chicago has today. It was able to get a handle on it through through a full embrace of, of community policing. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Bill Conway, former Democratic challenger for state's attorney. Bill, how are you? What have you been up to since the election? Well, it's it's uh, been a heck of a two years, I'll tell you that. I actually was shortly after after the election in March of 2020. I was actually deployed to uh, deployed to Germany to European Command headquarters from uh, October one of 2020 until until I got I got back just December first uh, of 21 here. So uh, had the perhaps lofty sounding title of senior intelligence director uh, at, at European command headquarters. And it was, uh, it was an unbelievable experience. And what did you learn that you brought back home? Well, <laughs> you know, I don't know how much I brought it back home, but our, you know, my job was watching everything in the, in the European command, which, uh, you know, a lot of that of course involved watching the Russians, you know, uh, you know, uh, air, land, and sea. And so that has obviously heated up a lot since then. Uh, also saw, I, another thing I saw was how often people just, um, or groups rather take pot shots at Israel just all the time. Uh, and those were, those were a couple things that, that really resonated with me, uh, resonated with me during my time there. In Russia, in watching them, did you see the evidence of their preparations for the invasion of Ukraine? You know, it was, um, and I'm, you know, obviously know a lot of things that are classified, so I'm choosing my words carefully, you know, last. Or you'll have to kill me. No, 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 yeah, right after I have to, have, I have to get uh, the edit button going. No, but I, I believe me, don't worry about it. But, um, you know, last late March, early April, we saw, and this is according to, New York Times reporting, we saw about 40,000 troops kind of go on that eastern Ukrainian border right on the right on the Donbass there. And, um, you know, and maybe back then, give or take 25,000 were garrisoned there. So and they had come there for an exercise and the exercise ended. And they didn't leave. And so, um, you know, that that certainly we sent alarm bells up the chain uh, based on that. And, you know, it was, you know, President Biden was pretty was pretty new in office at that point and thought, oh, they just are they testing him? What's going on? Um, and after a bit and, and believe me, we showed them we were watching, you know, they all they all went home. So then, you know, I I uh, I left. And so then start hearing about troop buildup again on the eastern Ukrainian border. And I said, look, we saw this. We saw this before. This this shouldn't be a. Uh, 
you know, we know how it's going to end. Um, but then all of a sudden you hear 60,000 troops, 70,000 troops, 80,000. You're like, okay, something is, something is coming. And I frankly thought, and I don't speak for the government, of course, I thought, you know, Putin's going to go in there and try and try and take the Donbass area, you know, the eastern Ukrainian area uh, that is mostly ethnically Russian. You know, he's going to try and take that back. He'll he'll, uh, you know, get to say, I'll call it the say the 40 yard line of the Ukraine and the Donbass is like the 20 yard line. And then there'll be some kind of negotiated peace, maybe if he's able to get that far. Um, but I don't think I certainly didn't think that this would get to him doing crazy things like bombing civilians in, 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 in Kiev. Like that was not something that that I think a lot of people saw coming. You know, he's been getting a little crazier over the years, but that's um, it's a heck of a thing. And, and we'll see how it gets resolved. Last December, too late for you, special prosecutor Dan Webb released his report saying that Kim Fox, your former opponent, and her top assistants made procedural and ethical missteps, tried to mislead the public when they handled the infamous case of Empire Star, former Empire Star, Jesse Smollett, who falsely claimed, in case anyone was living in a cave, that he was a victim (laughs) of a hate crime. Uh, The report was damning. It said that there were substantial abuse of discretion, that the office had breached its obligation of of honesty, major failures of the operations. Has she come clean like our own editorial demanded that she has or not? You know, so first off, I I don't need to re-litigate my election. And, you know, it obviously was a long time ago and considering Considering we've had a global pandemic then, I've, you know, myself have done a deployment, had a child since there, got a third one on the way. Uh, so for me, the election feels like about 10 years ago. But um, as far but as she goes, I mean, a, there had to be a sense of, wow, if only for you, right? No, no I think it was. Yeah, not really. I thought it was pretty clear that she had lied to the public during 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 the um and that had been been fairly well reported by the press uh you know one thing that was frustrating about running for office is people said oh you talk about chelsea smollett all the time like he said i don't really want to talk about chelsea smollett all the time that's just what the media wants you know always always wants to talk about i'm kind of forced to talk about that because that's what's always picked up but i think the bigger issue was the lying to the public not his committing of a of a a class four felony that was something stupid but uh you know didn't never it wasn't about that it was never about that it was about her office and her handling has she come clean enough or not i don't know you know i i as far as as far as uh how i feel about about miss fox i mean some things i'll say is that i think that I think her heart's in the right place as some of as far as some of the things she's done with regard to wrongful convictions, but we'll we will never be in the same place with regard to violent crime and what happens and and what happens in bond court, which has gotten um, out of control, frankly, about what's uh, what's going on there. And then we have bail reform coming. Yeah, you know, so you know one thing at a very high level, and I, I'm someone I worked. I worked bond court for years uh, back back in 07, 08. And, you know, I, I remember when there was a judge who put 
someone accused of murder, and and it's worth noting, I feel like this gets lost in there, that every time you talk about detaining somebody, a judge, an independent arbiter, reads the police reports and finds probable cause to detain. People think it's, oh, it's innocent until proven guilty. No, the Supreme Court has taken this off. The judge has to find probable cause to detain before that. And what you, what, you know, so going back to what I saw in, in 08, there was one person accused of murder that was put on electronic monitoring. And frankly, all hell broke loose. The sheriffs put a car outside this person's house. And it was a, this was a big deal. And today we have more than 50 people accused of, accused of murder on, on electronic monitoring. Um, and you have another, and then you have another 40 something that are accused of attempt murder. You know, I saw the, I forget if it was in, in, uh, your publication or the other one. Um, but that mayor Lightfoot had said, Hey, 90 people accused of murder on electronic monitoring. And the headline was she misled the public because it's only 50 because 40 of them are attempt murder. And I remember reading the article thinking that's the headline. The headline yeah. should be <laughs> that you have a lot of people, a lot of people that, uh, you know, and when you, and when you think about, you know, I, I know a lot of statistics get, get thrown around about how many people that are accused of a violent crime and get arrested for another violent crime. But I think that ignores the second order effects you may have in those situations where, you know, if you have the victim of a crime and they see that person, they see their, uh, the defendants, you know, get out the very next day and they were the victim of a violent crime, you know, on some level they're you know, they're not incentivized to cooperate with the police anymore, nor are other people in that community. You know, and then, of course, on someone incentivized to take the law into their own hands and would be criminals who are considering committing a crime are then encouraged to to do so. And it's just it's just disrespectful to the communities where where a lot of crime uh, happens. What are your fears about the elimination of cash bail? You know, if one thing that I will say in positive about the Safety Act is I think that the the goal of having it so rich people are not treated better by the criminal justice system than poor people is a very laudable one. And I think that was the aim of a lot of, of a lot of, uh, of that bill. And to the extent, if you can keep somebody who is a danger to the community behind, behind bars versus someone who's not, not behind bars, I think that is a, that is a, uh, that's a good thing. You know, you worry that how that's actually going to going to happen and how it's going to be uh, litigated as opposed to legislated, you know, but, you know, some things I would, I would criticize about it are there's been a lot of press recently about people on electronic monitoring getting two days off a week. And after I just talked about the, uh, you know, 50 people accused of murder getting, get being on electronic monitoring, that is something that, that scares me and I think should scare a lot of people. And also the way that law is written as it goes into effect in 2023, it's not quite clear what has to happen for somebody to be detained. The way you you could read it as if you have to have a preliminary hearing involving police officer testimony and perhaps victim testimony to keep the defendant, uh, you know, keep the defendant behind bars, which is far beyond the constitutional protections that, um, you know, that exist in this country. So those are some those are some things that worry me. 
Last month, I did an early look at the field of candidates who might challenge Mayor Lori. Sure, Lawson. yeah. Here's what, I, here's what I wrote about you. I said, with a law and order pedigree, a billionaire father who bankrolled his 2020 Democratic primary campaign for state's attorney, I said, Conway is a somewhat intriguing possibility. His father, William Conway Jr., helped found the private equity firm, the Carlisle Group, has a net worth of three and a half billion dollars despite being outspent three to one you were dogged by uh, uh, and she and being dogged by the handling of smollett fox won easily but you finished with 31.1 percent of the vote and if your dad was willing to write a ten and a half million dollar check to that race maybe just maybe he'd be willing to contribute at least that much uh to a mayoral campaign are you giving any thought to entering the mayoral race, you know, I would say it is a it is a long shot. I haven't I haven't closed the door on it. Um, you know, I think we have a long way to go before we find out what the field of candidates really look like. I would say I think that I would I would bring a a varied background to the to the role of mayor to or to public service generally in the sense that I have been. Um, in law, both as a prosecutor and otherwise, you know, right now I actually run a um, a renewable energy business, um, and have, and have uh, worked in government both in the military and as a and as a prosecutor. Uh, I'm currently a renewable energy professor at uh, at DePaul University, so I have a lot of different perspectives that I would bring uh, bring to the job. I recognize the audacity, believe me, of somebody running for mayor who has never held elective office. I don't, I don't want to shy away from that. Well, hello, Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, no, and I think that, you know, one, one of the, the missteps I think the mayor has made is this inability to work with people. You know, you have, um, you know, one person can't city. You just can't. And that's why you got to make sure that you really have the right people around you. But as a mayor, you have to set a vision for for where we want the city to go and i you know whether i'm a candidate or somebody else where i think this city needs to go is we look you know 20 years down the road you know we we have to get the population of chicago back over three million people that just solves a lot of problems um especially by and and as we focus on that the two big issues that fall within that are we got to get a on, on crime and a consistent strategy to deal with that. And also, you know, Chicago has to, has to uh, enjoy business growth and job growth. I think an area where Chicago is in renewable energy leadership, Illinois itself is a, is a, is a leader and Chicago as essentially the capital of the, mid, you know, a rich, um, rich skilled uh very skilled labor force um and not to mention a big population and uh you know not to mention we have a you know we have a company in venergy here that's a leader in wind power uh, i'm sure michael polsky will appreciate that shout out by the way why and, doesn't uh, Lori lightfoot yeah. deserve a second term is it crime is it her combativeness her inability to get along with people is it her management of city finances what is the bill of particulars against her well, I think you have a situation where, I mean, crime is the is the big one, of course. And, and, you know, the police, I have a lot of friends and some family that are police officers, and the police do not feel, uh, you know, are unsupported, frankly. And a lot of that's due to the, the mayor's rhetoric, and a lot of it is also due to 
the what seems to be some kind of ever-changing strategy by the police department in the sense that you have cancellation of days off, you have district redeployment. Some days they seem to be in favor of community policing, which, by the way, the data shows works, and some days they're going to citywide, citywide units. And the downshot of that has been, you know, over the course of the last four years, what we've gone from uh, roughly 13,000 police officers to roughly 10,000 today. And, you know, from a budgetary perspective, the problem there is that you've had you've had a significant amount of overtime for police officers because of this consistent changing of strategy. Right. And police officers are, in fact, retiring faster than the city can replace them. They do not believe this mayor has their back. What would you do to change that and turn the tide? Well, first off, I, you know, I think it's a change in rhetoric as much as, you know, as much as everyone wants to propose solutions that involve financial, uh, you know, we're going to spend money on this and that and this and that. We have to recognize the financial constraints of, of the city, which hopefully, by the way, will be lessened over time as we as we increase the population of the city. But, um, you know, I think that we uh, I do think we have to change out the superintendents. Uh, unfortunately, what's wrong with him? Yeah, well, I mean, if you were to think, how do you how do you go about grading the superintendent? One would be what's going on with crime. And if you look at as you look at murders, you know, it was, uh, you know, what we had a little over 400 a year when Lightfoot came in office. And now we have 800, almost twice as as much as any other city. So that's, you know, that's begin And and uh, Superintendent Brown himself had set a goal of, of 300 when he took office. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I wish it was, and it didn't seem that crazy when he said it. And then, additionally, you have you have to be able to lead lead the department. And as you said, uh, you know, police officers just don't think that uh, you know the superintendent has their back. And and also, a big thing the superintendent has to do is has to be able to communicate with the public and reassure them. And this is what we have to do. And oddly enough, despite his significant shortcomings, I thought Eddie Johnson did a pretty good job on that on that last one. Yeah, he what, certainly what he certainly he certainly was far more likable. That was yeah, right. His his ending was quite unfortunate. But with violent crime and the perception mm-hmm. of it, number one issue on in the minds of voters, every poll shows it. What would you do differently? First, I, I would I would let the police know that look, police officers in our community, there are friends, there are neighbors. And there are people that protect us. And I think there needs to be that verification of rhetoric. And I have and I have a record, um, you know, from my time as a prosecutor of of working with thousands of police officers uh, and and nearly to a person. They are just fantastic people. But additionally, you know, I did I did prosecute uh, and convict three three police officers. So I do recognize that there are a few bad apples. Nobody, no, no organization is, is perfect. So uh, I think that change in rhetoric is, is necessary. I also think as far as the strategy goes, that the next superintendent needs to really embrace community policing. I mean, it has, you know, Los Angeles, you know, 15, 20 years ago, had similar problems that Chicago has today. It was able to get a handle on it through through a full embrace of of community policing. And of course, the ROI on violence prevention strategies is is uh, very well known as well. 
Well, I mean, they say they're doing that with these positive community interactions. They set a goal of a million and a half of them. In fact, so many that they uh, it's been labeled a quota system. Well, I think that's kind of a bizarre way, <laughs> bizarre way to to mention it. I, I think I think that if you have the same police officers assigned to the same area and in that way, they have a they have a certain presence and they get to know the community to sort of measure it based on interactions and have to fill out paperwork that, oh, I carried this citizen's groceries today or 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 things like that doesn't make make a lot of sense. But I think if you have the same people uh, in the district assigned to the beats, the same beats, they will get to they will get to know the community. And this actually does get back to one thing I was saying earlier, that you have to be able to work with people as mayor. You know, when you look at, I'll say social media, you know, you have a lot of people out there that are armchair military strategists or armchair medical professionals or, or armchair, you know, law enforcement, law enforcement professionals. Um, what I think as mayor you have to do is you have to find a superintendent that has the same set of North stars as you do. And in my case, I'd be like, look, we got to make sure we're laser focused on violent crime. And we have to make sure that the department knows that we are good police officers, that we very much have their back and embrace community policing. Beyond that, how you run that department, I am not a professional police officer. You are. And and please go do your job. CTA crime. I mean, it's so bad that we've got vigilantes and volunteers and people with martial arts backgrounds riding the CTA this weekend. Yeah, no, and that... Uh, well, you know, I guess it's people trying to trying to make up for, you know, people trying to make up for uh, what's clearly a shortcoming. Now, hopefully, if you know, you talk about, you know, um, you know, the police department and its size. I think if you have a better strategy, you can cut down on the overtime and therefore make up that in terms of having more more bodies of of police officers. But what would you change about crime fighting strategy? Well, I think that's what I would advise. I would swap out the superintendent and I would I would uh, make sure they're embracing the full strategy. Who's the, who's the swap? Who's the other? You know, the I, you know, it would be it would be hard to say. It's, uh, you know, when I think of, you know, I, I think there's a lot of good people internally in the Chicago Police Department. I'm not saying I would pick somebody internally, but um, or the committee that would be appointed would. But when I think of a, of a few people. Um, you know, every time I've heard, uh, deputy chief Ernest Cato speak, he, he, I think we would be on the same page as far as embrace of, of community policing. I happened, uh, when I was a prosecutor, I happened to work with, um, uh, deputy chief Mike bars, um, uh, back, I think he was a sergeant or, or, or lieutenant at that point. Uh, and I think those are two people in internally that, would perhaps look pretty good, but you know it's it's really premature to to say that. I know a, com- a committee has to be involved, but those are two names that come to mind as I think about it. And I'm sure they'll appreciate me mentioning their names to your millions of viewers out there. Lori, I, I wish <laughs> Lori Life. It was languishing in the single digits before the Burke scandal. She owes her election to that scandal. 
But since then, progressives have been disappointed. She fought an elected school board. She promised to deliver and the General Assembly forced it upon her. She fought uh, with and ultimately forced out Inspector General Joe Ferguson, widely acclaimed. She was under fire for her changing story about the Anjanette Young police raid, the botched raid on the wrong home, and as her administration fought to conceal that tape from Channel 2. Is Lightfoot a real reformer or as... Alderman Byron Sitko Lopez calls her a phony reformer. You know, I, I will say this, you know, back in when she was campaigning, you know, believe it or not, I volunteered on her campaign uh, and I thought she initially brought a good spirit of ethics and, and fair dealing to the city with her rhetoric. But she doesn't seem to have through some of the things that you said, uh, doesn't seem to have embraced a lot of the of the openness that that the city would have. Now, it's something I will say is, is, you know, I was out of town for 14 months, so it's hard for me to speak to some of the things that you, that you, uh, you spoke to, but, well, you know, broadly. What's the biggest disappointed yeah. to, disappointment for you as a volunteer for a campaign? Yeah. You know, when I think of something, my interaction in my campaign with, with Lightfoot was simply bizarre. You know, initially, um, you know, at that point in time, don't don't forget, she enjoyed, you know, a 70 percent approval rating, give or take. Um, so back, you know, back channel to to her office and, you know, word word came back. Hey, we're probably going to stay out of this, but we like some of the things you're saying. She was like, yeah, fine. Great. And then when she and then when she after she got in, after, yeah, she, this got is after in. she got in, yeah. this, is, uh, this is during yeah. my campaign. And, and, and uh, you know, and then we. uh and then she endorsed Fox, but she didn't really do it in, in like a very, uh, you know, hardly broadcast. And so I was like, that's that's totally fine. And then there was this bizarre time when I, I did a debate on uh, on Chicago Tonight, and I got asked a, a pretty milk toast question about about retail theft. And this had happened a few times. I brought up the statistic, and I said, look, retail theft is a problem, but murder so far this year is up twenty nine percent. And I said, if that continues. We're going to have 750 murders this year. And I brought this up not only in public, but begged elected officials that, look, this is something you have to deal with. Instead of sort of trying to respond to that, she then, Mayor Lightfoot, then immediately tweeted out this man's, um, you know, this man's uh, prediction of a historically high murder rate is disrespectful to the Chicago Police Department, et cetera, et cetera. Instead, if she'd been focused on the problem instead of, worried about why, what I was saying, maybe we wouldn't quite be in this position of continuously changing strategies. Um, what did that you know, say oh, about and by the way, there thin was of course, skin? What did that say about course. Lori Lightfoot's thin skin and how she operates? Yeah. What you know, you I, don't, I don't really know her personally. You know, we've obviously all seen that. Oh, by the way, I, to, to end my story, there were 800 murders, of course, that year. Yeah, so um, you were prophetic and you were prophetic. Obviously, wish I had. What does that say about her? Well, I'd say she wasn't working on the right things. It certainly wasn't then. But uh, as far as her, her thin skin, I mean, I think we've all seen um, one of the you know bizarre transformations that's happened with her is she's gone from you know prominent litigator Mayor Brown to you know, swearing at people under her breath at city council meetings, which is kind of, you know, I don't, Not I, under so her I don't know. What about the, uh, my, you know, what is bigger than yours in the call with the, uh, about the Columbus statue. 
you know, I saw you know I saw that as part of a uh, as part of a lawsuit. Uh, you know, people can file lawsuits on all sorts of things. We'll see how that's actually how that actually uh, comes out. You know, one thing I, that she got heat for, which I did, which I which I appreciate the way she handled it was when she went into Wiener Circle and they were making fun of her for that, and she she sat there and took it, and people made fun of her for it. I was like, good on her, you know, yeah. on that particular thing. Well, let's talk about city finances. She's now engaged in the great Chicago giveaway, gas cards, venture cards, guaranteed minimum income, thousands of bicycles, uh, surveillance cameras and motion detectors. What do you think? Well, I am, you know, I'm, I'm worried in the sense that we have, uh, you know, the city has a 16 or $17 billion budget and it was balanced with essentially $2 billion of, of, of COVID money. So, you know, those things are going to have to eventually go away if if we were thinking about what we could have used those funds for instead. I think endowing um, our mental health programs in in Chicago would have been would have been something uh, to do. And I've seen that firsthand, you know, as part of the criminal justice system and how that interacts with with mental health. And I think that would have been a better a better use of it. I mean, you look at the at the gas cards, you know, so people are going to fill up their gas tank twice. And that's the people that win the lottery to get these things. And that's another part of some of these giveaways is that you're in a way adding just city administravia to, to some of the, uh, you know, to some of the things going on, like the universal basic income. If we had a federal universal basic income program in this country, I think that would be be a good thing. We could guarantee people a minimum level of income uh, and 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 lifestyle. But sort of now you have this lengthy application process. They they announced it in February. We're still here in April. Then there's going to be a lottery, and you know not that many people are going to get it. And based on what's going on with city finances, the program probably won't be around in a couple of years. Just based on what's going to when we don't have COVID, which is which is unfortunate because then you're going to have people relying on it. And it and it um, and it goes away. So I think when I think about what the next mayor has to do, the next mayor has to think about where's our city going to be in 20 years. Not necessarily that the person will be mayor for 20 years, but you know where where do we want to take this city in 20 years and have a real long term view of that? And these things seem like small little stopgap measures. She's made no progress at all on the pension crisis, but the casino holds potential to bail out police and fire pensions. What? Where should she put? You know, I haven't. I haven't dove into into that uh, into that too much. Um, one thing that uh, you know, another. You know, when I'm thinking about what I might do next, and and by the way, if I'm never the honorable Bill Conway, that is most certainly fine with me. I have great job, great life, great family, great kids. I'll be very happy. Um, but one thing I am thinking about is, you know, there is going to be a new ward on the North side. Um, oddly enough, under both maps, I live in it. So that is certainly something that uh, I've gotten a lot of outreach about. In addition to, um, you know, in addition to running for mayor, which. Uh, so are you either going to run for alderman or mayor? No, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do. And I certainly have to have a long talk with my family on this. My, uh, you know, I have a two and a half year old child who was born in the middle of my campaign, have another, have another one that just turned one last week. And we have uh, another one on the way. So I'm gonna have three kids under three by, by late August. 
So certainly would have to think about how, we're, how we balance all of that. Going so forward. what are the chances, do you think, and how much money would your dad contribute to a mayoral campaign? <laughs> you know, one thing I would say about, about, uh, about, you know, some of you, about what you wrote in the paper, um, <laughs> which by the way, I was already getting a lot of outreach from, you know, from some of the trade unions and business leaders and, and other community groups that uh, I happen to know about. This. You really put some gasoline on that fire <laughs> to to that. But I will say, my dad and I haven't haven't talked about about that yet. And another thing is that, um, yeah, no, I saw so so not sure, and we haven't discussed it. And I would also I would also iterate that my father's bank account is not my bank account. And so right, I think a lot, of people, willing, a lot of people if, think it's the same thing. Yeah. If he was willing to contribute ten and a half to your uh, state's attorney's race, certainly he would do the same for mayor, and that would put you right in the top tier. Yeah, and we're not, and we're not there yet. Haven't haven't even gone that far, and I think we're going to see what the field looks like after this next election cycle here, here after June twenty eighth. Uh, uh, that is election day, right? June 27th, 28th. Well, I think we're going to see what it looks like. 28th. What it Who's seems, urging uh, you to run? Who is it that's urging you to run? You know, I don't, I don't want to say, uh, folks names because I'm sure they'll make some enemies by it, but it's certainly some of the, uh, some of the larger trade unions, folks in the, in the business community, many of whom didn't support me last time. who have kind of called me and said, Hey, you're vindicated. We really need you to run here. And sorry about that. Which I was like, don't even, don't even worry about that. Uh, and then, and then some community groups I got to know during my, during my run who, uh, thought I made a decent showing of it and said, Hey, our city needs saving and please do this. Saving from what? Well, saving from the, I don't want to say just save, just saving from the current trajectory that we're on in terms of, in terms of certainly on crime. And that really affects everything else. You can't really have economic development if you have a crime problem that is that is out of control as it is now, or business growth or job growth or neighborhood growth, et cetera. She painted a rather rosy picture during her city club address. She said that the naysayers are wrong, that everything is on the upswing. We're poised for the best recovery of any big city in the nation and don't believe what you hear. Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm not seeing it, but I hope she's right. I, you know, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I was born and raised in Chicago and, and, you know, other than my family love it as much as, as much as anything. So, um, so I hope that, I hope that she's right. You know, some of the things that, uh, you know, I was sort of half watching it, um, you know, she said, oh, our, our un the unemployment rate here is, is 4.8%. Isn't that great? I'm like, well, it's three and a half percent of the nation. So I don't quite know <laughs> why you think that is a, uh, that's a good thing. And we are a major city with a very skilled labor force. So I would think we should be very competitive, uh, more competitive than that. And obviously crime, you know, wh what can we really say? One of the things that I think is always amazing is when uh, she or folks in the police department bring up, hey, property crimes are down. You know, if today with the number of police officers we have and, and all the things they're asked to do, if you get your garage broken into, is it really worth even calling the police? It would take them a long time to get there. And uh, at that point, who knows if it's even worth filing a report. So, of course, that's going to come back as property crimes are down. But, you know, I don't think that's I don't think that's really accurate. And some of the things that uh, 
but you know, murders, you can't really hide that. And we saw what's happened to that. What did we learn about Lori Lightfoot during the two devastating rounds of looting that spread from downtown out into the neighborhoods? Well, it seemed like after the first one, there was no, no real strategy to, to deal with the, the second one, you know, and, and, and part of that, of course, rests with, uh, with, with uh, Ms. Fox as well. The fact that she chose not to prosecute anybody for the first one sort of encouraged, um, encouraged the second one, which obviously then at that point she did. And, and we haven't had any since. Bill Conway, we'll look forward to your decision. And meanwhile, best of luck with the new baby. And Thank you for growing family. And we will see you all next week. Thank you, Fran.